If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to open it up to the verse that Pastor Nate just read, the end of Galatians chapter 3, beginning of chapter 4. As we continue our sermon series through the book of Galatians, where for the last several weeks, the last three chapters, the Apostle Paul is making a very passionate plea with us, with the Christians who were the first hearers in the church of Galatia. They had actually turned away from the true gospel, a gospel of grace, a gospel that, according to Jesus, his death and his resurrection, there is nothing that you can do to earn salvation, to get the promises of eternal life, to have the forgiveness of sins. Nothing you can do. It is a pure gift from God, a present from him to you. You don't even open it. It's just given. But some false teachers had infiltrated the church, and they were teaching that, yes, you have to have faith in Jesus, but you also have to be a good person. And you have to follow the laws of the Old Testament. That means no lobster. It means no tattoos. I know some of you are like, oh. It means you have to get circumcised if you're a male. All the laws of the Old Testament, it was Jesus plus. And Paul says, no. This is not the gospel. This is a new religion. And so for three chapters, he, he just hits them over the head. In fact, at the beginning of this chapter, he calls them foolish. You foolish Galatians. You can see how passionate he is. Until we get to verse 26, where he gives us this uh, just amazing metaphor, using the metaphor of adoption. It is one of the clearest metaphors of the gospel of Jesus Christ you will find in all of Scripture. In fact, I'm reading this, I'm studying, preparing for the message, and I'm like, well, Lord... I really can't say it any better than this. Should we just have them stand up? We'll recite the Apostles' Creed together. End of story. But if you've been a Christian for longer than a day, you know that it's one thing to know the gospel. And many of you have heard the gospel. You know the gospel. You've studied the gospel. It's quite another thing to have it penetrate our hearts and to live here on a daily basis. It is difficult because we are sinful human beings. We live in a sinful, broken world, and we have a great enemy, Satan, who wants to snatch that out of our hands and out of our heart. So what we are going to do, under the theme of adoption, this metaphor that Paul uses, is look at three different themes that he gives us. The first one is this. We need to understand exactly what's going on here. What does Paul mean, spiritually speaking? So we need to understand our adoption into the family of God by grace. Second of all, we can actually experience this adoption over and over again in our everyday life. We'll look at what that means. And then lastly, how do we live this out in the world in which we live? How do you live it out in your neighborhood? How do you live it out at work, at school, in your family? But first, we'll start with this, uh, understanding our adoption. To do that, let's start with chapter 4, verse 4, where the Apostle Paul says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is the purpose of Jesus Christ, to redeem you. Now, a couple things you got to look at here. First of all is this. Uh, in those days, if you were a woman, which about half the congregation is, half of you watching from home, if you were a woman, you had zero rights. You were seen in Greek and Roman society as a second-class citizen. It went slaves, women, male children, father, head of the household. So that means that you had actually no rights of inheritance. Your job, your duty in life was to get married, have babies, manage the family, but you did not inherit the wealth of the father, except in maybe a few extreme cases. 
The Apostle Paul says earlier is life-changing, transformative. In fact, it has changed every culture throughout time. This verse right here, jump back with me, chapter 3, verse 26. Paul says, but now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Therefore, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what the Apostle Paul is doing here, he's not saying that gender doesn't matter. He's not saying that the race in which you were born in doesn't matter. Those are parts of your identity. But he's saying the hierarchy now is gone. We no longer can look down on somebody because they're a different race. We no longer look down on someone because they're female, because they're of a different persuasion. No, now we are all one in Christ. If you've been baptized into his name, if you've been clothed with his righteousness, and therefore, going back to chapter 4, verse 4, verse 5, you are in God's eyes, through your baptism, all firstborn sons. You're the first to get the inheritance. And spiritually speaking, this changes everything. That means when you were baptized, you were adopted into a spiritual family. You were adopted into God's heavenly family. And what does that mean? In the first century, the very first hearers who had, who had heard this, adoption was actually a lot more common in first century Rome than it is today. We have lots of adoptions, lots of services that do that throughout the world. But in first century Rome, because the life expectancy was so low, it's anywhere between 38 and 48 years old was the average life expectancy. That meant that, there, meant that there were a lot more orphans. We know from historical documents that beloved indentured servants, beloved slaves could be adopted into the family. We know that it was so important that Roman society had actually developed a ceremony for adoption that goes like this. Uh, the adoptee would be brought forward to a judge or a magistrate, and symbolically they would be actually sold into bondage three times. And what that was supposed to represent is that no longer were you the son of your birth father, and no longer were you the slave or the servant of a particular family. You were sold into bondage three times so that then the adopted dad would come forward, put down a chunk of change, sign some paperwork, put the government stamp on it, and now you were his son as if you were born to him. It's just like you're a blood son of the adopted father. It was this big ceremony that they did. And what's so important to understand here today, spiritually speaking, uh, looking back at the first adoption, is that not only that, uh, your status completely changed. Again, you were no longer a slave. You are no longer a servant. You're no longer the son of your birth father. Your status had changed, and that meant that everything that the father has is now yours. You have access to the Father's wealth. You have access to the Father's table. You get to sit at the table with the rest of the family. You get to eat the Father's food. You get to receive the Father's love. Every material blessing that was the Father's is now yours. Your status has changed. You're no longer an adoptee. You are a true-born son. And this is what Paul is saying has happened to you. If by God's grace you believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, you have been adopted into his heavenly family. And that means that you get all the blessings and material blessings and spiritual blessings that he was going to bestow upon Jesus. He's going to share it with you. You get to sit at the Father's table. 
You're no longer on the outside looking in. You get to share in all the blessings that God, our Heavenly Father, had for Jesus. They are yours here today. And I'm sitting around looking at a room of people who don't seem very impressed. This is amazing. Sitting at the Holy of Holies table, you've been adopted into his family by grace. Your sins are gone. Here's what it means spiritually. You might have a sin that you struggle with. You might define yourself by that sin. You might think back to something that happened in your past that you wrestle with and the shame and the guilt that is there. Because of this adoption, those are wiped away. We just sang the song, I am no longer a slave to fear. I am no longer a slave to sin. You are no longer a sinner in the eyes of your heavenly Father because he has adopted you by grace and won that for you through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Martin Luther, in his commentary on Galatians, he describes this relationship like this. He says, a son is an heir, not by virtue of high accomplishments, but by virtue of his birth. He is a mere recipient. His birth makes him an heir, not his labors. In exactly the same way, we obtain the eternal gifts of righteousness, resurrection, and everlasting life, because we are the children and heirs of God through faith in Christ. Can I get an amen? That's your adoption. But if you're like me, you might know that, you might hear it, it's quite another thing to experience it because what is so commonplace for Christians, and if you're a Christian here today, maybe this is the first time you've heard this, it is so commonplace for us because, again, we live in a sinful world uh, to lose sight of this adoption or to at least not trust the adoption as valid. And it goes something like this. Maybe you're going along your life and you kind of have your spiritual life in check and you're praying and you're worshiping and, and things are going pretty good. You have a pretty good handle on temptation. But because we have a great enemy, the Apostle Peter says it's like a roaring lion and a lion at the zoo is just sitting around every corner we turn around. He's waiting to pounce on us, Peter says, to devour us and destroy us because we have that great enemy. Someday you're going to get tripped up and you're going to sin. And you're going to ask God for forgiveness because that's what we do. We ask God in repentance to uh, forgive us and he willingly forgives you. He says, yep, you have a seat at the table right here. Come on, come on back. But then we do it again and we do it again and we're pleading with God. God, why can't I control my behavior? Why do I keep doing this sin? And we do it again and we do it again. And before long, if this has been your experience or if you're stuck in guilt and shame from something that you did in your past and you can't let go of it, it's like it's shackled to your ankle. We start to look at God as undeserving of his love. You say, God, I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve a place at your table. And when that starts to happen in our hearts, we start to cling to God's grace and try to take it out of his hands. And we say, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to church now every Sunday and I'm gonna pray more than I've ever prayed before. I'm gonna get an accountability partner. I'm gonna read my Bible each and every day. And if you're doing that to try to earn God's love, you're trying to take your birthright, your adopted birthright out of his hands. You're trying to earn your salvation. You're going back to the exact same problem the Galatians had in the very first place. We need to experience our adoption over and over again. And let me give you a real-world example of what that might look like for us. This is a picture of some family friend of ours, uh, the Ebies. Sarah and Steve are the dad, along with their eight children. 
three of the girls uh, were born when the oldest one went to their parents and said, Mom and Dad, I just heard this presentation at school. They went to a Christian school, and I heard about all these babies in the world that need to be adopted, and I feel compelled. I think that God wants us to adopt a child. And Steve and Sarah were open to this, and they prayed about it, and they thought about it, and they did some exploring, and it landed them in China where they met their first adopted son, Peter. And Peter was one of 17 kids in an orphanage of 300 kids where they only had three nursery attendants. And so what that meant for Peter is that every day the nursery attendants would come by and they would prop a bottle in the crib and that was the only human touch the children would have all day long. Peter was lucky enough, Peter was blessed that he had a buddy, he could reach through the crib and touch the hand of another baby next to him. But this was his physical condition in life little bit of human touch a day, no love from a parent for the first several years of his life. Now think about that from a spiritual perspective. Do you understand how lost we are? How depraved we are? How hopeless we are without someone to come down and to rescue us? I mean, think about this. Just do a self-assessment. How many times have you tried to be a good person and fallen short? How many times have you confessed your sin for the same thing and then you find yourself doing it over again? That shows us our depravity, our utter helplessness. And what God, your heavenly Father, has done is he has sent Jesus in the flesh and he's come down and he's plucked us from that depraved orphan state and he's brought us, at a, again, the seat at the table of grace. And then there's the girls, Corey and Betsy. And they came from Nigeria they were, baptized, or they were brought into uh, the family when they were five years old, so they have a, a couple different set of circumstances. Uh, because they were constantly scrounging for food, again, in a huge orphanage where there wasn't a lot of attention, anytime they could see food, they would hoard it because they didn't know when their next meal was going to come. And so they hoarded, and they hoarded, and they hoarded, and they constantly are trying to do things for themselves because they lived in this environment for five years. Well, then Sarah and Steve were led by God to adopt, uh, brought them home, and still to this day, several years later, they struggle with those same insecurities. And so Sarah told us when I asked her for permission uh, to use this story, Sarah said that the girls, they have to watch them at parties because if they go to a party and there's a lot of food, they might try to eat as much as they can and get sick. And they try to fill their pockets with food because there's still a part of them. They're not sure, is this adoption for real? Do you really love me? Do you really accept me into your family? And Sarah described it like this as she was sharing her story, a wonderful spiritual insight into the human condition. She says, watching this reminds me of how we as humans want to do things for ourselves, like scavenge food at parties, drink or eat anything lying around no matter whose it is, like we still catch the girls doing, because we do not rest in our Heavenly Father's love, care, and grace, but always try and do it ourselves. that the apostle paul offers us some wonderful news that we're not alone in this struggle let's jump back to chapter four look at verse six he says that because you are sons god has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying abba father 
And he goes on to explain in Romans chapter 8 that you have the very same spirit that resides in you is the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead. That is the power that you have within you. And what that means, because you've been adopted by grace into his family, you get to use the same language for your heavenly father as Jesus does. And he says it's Abba, Father. That's an Aramaic word. We don't have a perfect translation for it, but the best one to describe it in English is this, Daddy. It was the tender name that a child would use for their father, whether adopted or naturally born. If you sit at the dad's table, you get to call him daddy. It's a tender relationship. And if you've ever, in your Christian walk, turned back to God in repentance, you have to understand that is not you doing that. That is the work of the Spirit in your heart reminding you of your adoption in the first place. That's how you experience God each and every day, the Holy Spirit working through you, transforming your heart, bringing you back into this understanding that God loves you, that you're cared for, that your needs are gonna be met, that God would stop at nothing to win you back into himself. Your sins are gone because of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be adopted. This is how we experience that wonderful feeling of adoption each and every day and it just remains then one excuse me question left how do we live that out in the world today to do that i want to go back to the eb family Uh, sarah sent us this picture my mom uh, and myself in this text conversation of Corey and betsy the two girls before they were adopted this is a few days before the adoption was uh, made official and she says look at their eyes And do you see the fear? And do you see the uncertainty? You know, they're asking themselves, they're only five years old, but they're asking themselves, is this for real? Are you really bringing me out of this place? Am I really going to go to your home? And then she sent us these two pictures of a couple years later after the adoption was final. Do you see the joy? Do you see the security? Do you see the hope? See, this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about for those who believe this is your new identity. When you're not sure what the day is going to bring, when you're uncertain if God is going to welcome you back, all you do by God's grace through his Holy Spirit is you look back on your adoption and then you can't help but be filled with joy. You can't help but be filled with hope. You can't help it because God is actively changing your heart. He's changing your minds in real time, and that fills you with joy. And then guess what we do? We go out, and we share that joy with others. You should walk out of this door with a smile on your face, with the shackles of your guilt and your shame gone, and whatever you do next, whether you go home and you prop yourselves in front of the TV and watch those Broncos, (laughs) believe it or not, you can have a smile on your face. You go to a restaurant and somebody is rude to you, somebody doesn't treat you with dignity and respect, that doesn't define you. You can let that go, not on your own, but because you look back on your adoption, you look back on the wonderful thing that God has done to you because we live in a world where there are so many people who don't realize how much God loves them. And they're broken. And they have uncertainty. And they have fear, much like an orphan in an orphanage. And God has called us as adopted brothers and sisters in Christ, leaning on our adoption, 
leaning on God's grace to go out into the world and to boldly proclaim the one who will stop at nothing to win us back, to rescue us, and to bring us home to our heavenly table. And to that, we can confidently say, Amen.